Do you guys have like superannuation in America? Is that like a thing? No, what the hell's that? It's like a thing we have where like employers are mandated to pay on top of your wage. They have to pay 10% of your wage. Like, okay, so you get paid $20 an hour. That's pretty low, actually. The minimum wage is like 30 bucks an hour uh, these days. But it's like, so you get paid like 30 bucks an hour. Um, they have to pay 10% of that on top of what you get paid into your super, which is which would be $3 an hour. And that goes into a retirement fund that's controlled by a super fund. You get to control where the investments go sort of broadly. It's invested. Over time, it accumulates. Most people retire with about $200,000, and it's mandated by Australian law that you have that. Um, you retire with... No, we have something much better, the 401k, which is all run through private markets and that not everybody has access to, you know? Yeah, you got to basically <laughs> get a job that offers that. And what right. they do is they just match what you contribute. And uh, That's yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's on you. This is run through private companies, but it's also mandated by Australian law. And they have this thing where it's like you get paid on top of your wage. So it's I like... Mean, it's better than nothing. Better than what we have. But we have a pension as well. So if you don't, if you're, you get paid out of your super, if your super's not high enough, you're eligible for the pension as well. And most people, they get their super and then they go on the pension. The super is like for most people, 100 to $200,000, which is enough to like just pay off your mortgage or whatever, usually. And then you just live off the pension and just hope that the pension is high enough to live off, which. The pension is a dying thing over here. Um, yeah, there's barely any of those. My first job out of college, uh, one of the big like points that they touted was that they're one of the remaining companies, one of the few remaining companies that still offer a pension. After a year of being there, they announced that the pension plan would be ending shortly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a lot of responsibility for the company. You can't be wasting profits on workers. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the ones that aren't working anymore. That's right. But yeah. Going on, Brandon. How are you? All right, busy day of you know putting the vans back together. Oh yeah, <laughs> putting the van back together. Like I'm putting the band back together. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna fucking kill myself. Um, <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was funny. No, it was good. Uh, yeah, you don't have to lie to me. Uh, it's no, I like your van puns way better than your class betrayal. Well, what's my class betrayal? I don't. Oh, because I want to be a Times journalist. Is that why? <laughs> Uh, come and still support their strike. That's where I'm at. Right. Oh, is that, can... is that a thing that's happening? Apparently, uh, they're doing it. A it was a one day strike. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah it's already over. It was like a one day walkout kind of deal, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't see, you know, I saw something about New York Times journalists in the group chat, but if that is the point of contention, like, do we support a strike of New York Times journalists? Like, I don't know. They'd be like supporting a CIA strike. Like, I don't think I could do it. I, I say yes. Unequivocally, I, I say yes. I don't have to like them, but there's a lot of people in a lot of unions that I don't fucking like. I'm not get, like if a if a union I find out is like 90% fascists, that doesn't mean that the union's not valid. It means that the people in it suck, but like they're still <laughs> Okay, no, I mean it's a hot take, but I can see it. Like it makes sense. Yeah, you're right. Like I mean supporting like labor in the abstract I think is kind of where I come at it from. You know what I mean? Like I obviously I don't support Fucking what New York By the way, Brian, this is about. also still just a pre-recording. Don't worry. That's, it doesn't mean you're safe. <laughs> well, he, he will put it on the fucking show. I was just needing to uh, to save you your... chewing on my on my tendies here. <laughs> but sorry, but sorry, Nick. Continue. I'm sorry. I just wanted to warn Brian because we did that to him last time too. 
No, no. I mean, I don't know. I guess I don't get too hot and bothered about that one either way. Like, I, I again, I support labor in the abstract, but like, it's not like this is some kind of militant movement. It was a one day walkout. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I support the workers doing that to get what they want again, just as a tactic to do. But obviously, from terms of what the New York Times actually produces, I mean, that's a little bit different, but I don't know. But again, it's not something that we should fucking. Okay. So then my then my then question to Brian or not Brian, uh, Brandon is then where do we draw the line? Like, let's say there's a, a union of fascist concentration camp gas chamber operators and they are uh, dedicated, but to, to the, they're striking because they're just not getting the conditions. Like, I would draw the line very clearly at the point where you are a class trader. That's what I mean. Like, I feel like even the New York yeah. Times people are, although maybe, well, like once they ascend to that position, they make enough money and they have become part of like whatever estate i guess it's the fourth estate the journal i don't know i don't know that shit but like you know i, I mean? see like, your point i don't agree with you enough to like be ambivalent about their strike well see that's the whole thing i'm not like i'm just first hearing this is literally the first i've heard of it it's like they tell me she led a great life this is the first time hearing it like i don't know this, <laughs> i didn't know about it until now so i'm just like fucking around because this is a pre-recording and like I, I don't know let's get some hot takes out there like let's say we have um because well, then it also depends on the industry too. Like when I bring up the gas chamber operators, like that, the whole industry itself is bad. So do I support a police union strike? Because I don't fucking support the police yeah. as an industry. I, I literally actually already brought that point up in in the group chat, and that was that was that's why I'm sorry. saying like I draw the hard line at a, a class trader. Okay. So like, if the police go on strike, good. We're be- fucking better off without them. So yeah. then I guess that is the point. Of, sorry, Nick. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. I guess at the end of the day, also that not every. New York Times journalist that walked out that day is writing that we should bomb North Korea. Some people are just writing about fucking stupid lifestyle things. You know what I mean? It's shit like that as well. Oh, I'm not going to like defend any takes of also. uh, I know this was brought up, but I I didn't see the whole thing. Was it just journalists or was it literally like everyone that works at New York Times? I think it was everyone. Yeah. There's a lot of fucking typesetters, printing press guys like. Yeah, people who don't have one fucking iota of say in whether or not like some dumb story about North Korea gets printed. Yeah, like right, well, right. Thomas Friedman, right? But I don't know. <laughs> That's where I didn't follow the guy who posted. It was inherent they on Instagram or formerly Catboy Deleuze, but I didn't follow what they were saying when they were like, "There's no innocent collaborators" or whatever the fuck. That's what they said, and it's like, well, by that logic, anyone who's in the labor aristocracy is a class trader. By, by that logic, if you're like, oh, there's no innocent collaborators. It means every Western worker, technically, by that logic, you shouldn't support their strikes or whatever because they're engaged, they work for a company that does is engaged in imperialism. It's like, that's, that's sort of the logic. Um, but <clears throat> I would say, I would draw the line at uh, specifically, uh, obviously, police, military, and then journalists who work for the New York Times. Just the journalists, though. Just mm. the journalists. Yeah. Um, I don't care about the guy who empties the bins. He can. He should strike. He should get paid $150 an hour. He should get paid more than the journalists. The journalists shouldn't get paid. They should be uh, um, <clears throat> sent to somewhere. Uh, anyway. <laughs> they should just all be thankful for the exposure. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it suck to have to be like a principled Marxist-Leninist and try to differentiate between all the different people that could possibly be involved in a strike and who deserves to be and who doesn't and who's like a clasher and who isn't like... Instead of just like blanket hand waving away entire groups of people like a conservative and just having the simple view of everything, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Actually having to work through things. <laughs> mm. 
Well, it's not really an issue with most things. It's just with this specific instance where it's an issue, I guess. Because with most yeah, with mean, most strikes or whatever, this isn't even a question. It's like also yeah, my be... initial response in the group chat was at a red light while I was driving, so I think it came off as a little more aggressive. I got to go back in the group chat, man. I missed everything today. This is all in the last like ten minutes. Oh, okay, it was a little spicy. Your response, I was like, oh shit, shots fucking fired. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by it, but there was a reason it was that brief. <laughs> Does anybody know anything about the new like Protecting Marriage Act or whatever it's called this time? No. Is that a national thing? It was federal this this past week. I think it passed. Uh, I, it's, I saw something about that. I didn't. I thought it was a state thing, though. A lot of people are like, "Yeah, Biden finally did a, a a gay rights thing," and you look at it and it's just like this is the most milk toast thing possible. Oh. I did ask someone in a server about that, and basically I was trying to ask them to tell me if it's something that the Republicans can roll over or just, like, quash immediately the next time they get into office, and I was to understand that it was, so I don't know. As as I understood it, it's not exactly something that they just get to roll over, but it's also something that they really don't have to. It doesn't say that I think a state—I don't know this very well. I wouldn't speak authoritatively about this on air, but, like— I think it's saying that, like, the, you know, if a state wants to decide that uh, gay marriage is illegal, that's fine. But they still have to respect the marriage of gay people from other states. Mm. Oh, cool. Nice. It's it's not it's not taking any like stance on like, you know, businesses are now required to to provide services for uh, gay and queer people. It's just so it's, it's not it's, saying. You you can it's it's saying like hey you can stop doing gay marriages in your state but you still have to recognize the existing ones or something is that yeah, kind of what it's saying okay uh, as I understood what I read but like I don't know man I was trying to find like the actual substance of the the bill and it was just a lot of people like writing like fucking jibber jabber about it hmm mm. yeah that's um, pretty uh pretty lame <laughs> surprise that's all it is um. Because usually when there's a bill that's got a name like that, it's like, also, we're going to put more people in camps as well. That's like, you know what I mean? It's like an, it's like an extra. They'll be like, oh, this is the um, protecting families bill. Uh, there's also a thing in here that makes it legal for police to drop explosives on black neighborhoods. Um, for some reason, why is it in here? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, the funny thing is, in America, they don't actually need to make it legal. They just do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did that once, didn't they? Oh, one, it was a major in, thing in one. Philadelphia, yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, I, I used to live in that neighborhood. I mean, um, I got <clears throat> I got something kind of related to us as well. Um, America's sending uh, a bunch more troops to Australia, um, and also we just we literally oh, did the few... emus declare war on you guys again? <laughs> no, it's just the usual, the ever present threat of uh, of China, of course. The massive threat that China poses to Australia, and definitely another three thousand U.S. troops will make a huge difference in that in that scenario. <laughs> They're like, coming right, for your Vegemite, man. I would love to just say, I would love to just be like, "All right, guys, Australia, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to war with China," and then the we just send the American troops that are here by themselves and go, "Go do it, guys! All six thousand of you, go do it." <laughs> <laughs> America going to war with China as a concept would be so fucking funny because like four days in, we would just be like, oh shit, they've stopped sending us like supplies. Now we don't know what to fight yeah. them with. <laughs> we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live.
fucking thing sucks. All right, it's just a live show for this week. This week it's myself, Mikey Him from the Spinoff This Podcast. We got Nick He Him from the Intervention Podcast, Brandon and Bryant, both He Him from the Cars and Comrades Podcast, and Jared He Him, who's hot and from Australia. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> and Jared from the group chat. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so we got a bunch of topics now to talk about for this week. So let me hand it to you, Brandon, first, and we'll talk about the New York Times strike that apparently lasted a day, and now we're like having hot debate in the group chat about whether or not to even support a strike. Uh, the answer is yes. When workers go on strike, you support them. As long as they're actual workers and not, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that, like, New York Times are doing good journalism by a long fucking stretch, but there's a lot more people that work in that building than just, like, the writers and... You know, I, like, and maybe this is a shit take. I'll, I'll accept that maybe it is, but there are probably like more than a handful of people who went in to the New York Times thinking that they were going to be the guy who like wrote like the good story, and every fucking good story they wrote went across the editor's desk, and the editor said, "Go fuck yourself." Like, I imagine it's not a place where you actually have the freedom that you think that you have. It, it makes me think. Like, have you ever seen like? the uh the reels where it'll show like every like local fox news thing and every local station across the country is repeating the same uh talking oh, yeah. point, like like same script you don't actually have any freedom as a journalist in that respect what's up nick yeah no just two points quick one just on the topic of like who was actually involved with this i just pulled up an article from I don't know, this outfit called The City. And just the headline says, the other New York Times workers are also on strike. And the subtitle is, the newspaper's IT specialists, security guards, and sales coordinators, some of whom earn as little as $52,000 a year, which is probably not much in New York City. Um, they should have poverty wages in New yeah, York. Yeah, um, but they're striking alongside reporters for better wages. So it seems like it wasn't just like the journalists writing about how we should bomb North Korea um, walking out. You know what I mean? It was just more of a group thing. So yeah, just a little context there. But then just to the point of, you know, kind of the process in terms of how these people's ideology gets shifted, just plug for Michael Parenti um, inventing reality because he really goes through that process of how people's views get shifted just because they need to ultimately conform with the narrative that needs to get projected by the institution, right? Like you can only present a radical story so many times and have it shot down before, you know, suddenly you're just not even thinking in those terms anymore, you know, as you stay there. It's not to excuse someone like fucking Thomas Friedman or something like that calling for like the blood of Arab folks in the Middle East or anything like that. But from a broader systemic level, I mean, it's just not as, it's not, quite as simple as just saying oh like fuck all these journalists you know what i mean at least from my perspective oh i mean i agree with you i i was the one saying like you defend strikes for all workers and huge caveat no class traders fuck cops yeah see that's the thing like when you said that that's immediately where my mind went because i just think of all new york times journalists as class traders because i just think of them as cia agents because like Nick, you're saying the way that the systemic filter, if you will, works is that you just don't get to the upper echelons of journalism unless you agree wholeheartedly with the establishment message. And you have to believe it. Like anybody who knows like what it's like to work a job you don't believe in, as opposed to like you seeing the people who do come to work and they really believe in the company mission every day, you're like, fuck, like I just, you can't <laughs> compete with that. Like, how do you even yeah. bother? Like, so the people who get up there are those people. And that's why I just immediately was like, no, fuck them. Like, I don't really care about New York Times journalists. But like you guys, of course, point out there are other people involved. There are like real workers involved. 
And, you know, I guess supporting strikes in the abstract is, of course, always good because you should support labor. But I don't know when it comes to New York Times journalists in particular. And that's why I brought up like the weird example. I'm not sure if I'll leave it in the pre-show, but um, like, what if they're fucking just Gestapo members and they're like literally just murdering people like do you support their union if they're complaining about their working conditions of murdering mm-hmm. people it's like i don't know bro well then but they're gonna have fuck to... them right <laughs> yeah well, i mean yeah. at that point you're you're discussing like a union of class traders so yeah, yeah. no i'm right. not gonna do that you did already mention that my bad yeah. i guess it would be different if it was like the union of new york times journalists who only write on foreign policy <laughs> then i'm then i think it would be a different conversation then you might have a harder time getting me to support them. Right. But like to, to me, it's it's not like a, oh, support some journalists, not others. To me, it's like they're journalists. You support them or do you not? In the way a lot of idiots treat like freedom of speech, I'm an idiot when it comes to like uh, supporting people across my class. Um, according, I found an article about the strike. So actually... Okay, there's 1,450 employees total and about 1,100 struck. And then there's another 400 as well on top of that that didn't. So out of more than just... Does it say what percentage of those people are in the CIA? Uh, (laughs) No, but I would assume that uh, they don't have 1,100 journalists, I would say. I'd say probably 100 of those workers are actual journalists because it's they don't... Yeah, journalists are not the main the main thing i bet um, the cia did. has way more than a thousand journalists but just not all <laughs> at the new york times and they gotta spread yeah. them out a little bit yeah. you know what i heard i heard that every single one of those 1100 employees hates china they're they're all anti-china like hawks <laughs> <laughs> the guy who empties the bins fuck him we need to get we need to get his ass i mean the unfortunate living in america is... makes you a class trader I was going to say the unfortunate <laughs> reality is that most of America thinks China bad. So, I mean, yeah. it's just something we got to contend with. Yeah. Okay. So like a, th- a thing I compared it to, and I will elaborate on a little bit more is I worked in a machine shop where we did I don't know, more than half of our, our work was oil and gas work. And we live in an area where like, there's a lot of pipeline work. And so everyone was just like, no, the pipeline is super important because if we don't do this, then we don't have jobs. And it's like, all right, cool. But if you do do this, you don't have drinking water. So like, where's your priorities? And so I had I had to like come to grips with the fact that like I did enjoy the work that I was doing, like the nature of the work, but it was work in support of an industry that is really bad. And most of the people who worked in that industry were not really bad. They were people who were just trying to pay the bills. And if they went on strike, I would support them, but they still shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, I used to work for a machine shop that did a lot of work for military contractors and I kind of ended up with a different job by accident, but I'm kind of glad that I'm not doing that anymore. So yeah, it's, I don't know. it's tough because it's like if you if you zoom if you sort of zoom out in a sense and think about every job in like a western country at some point you're going to get to a point where it's like my job supports imperialism in some capacity basically yeah. and that there's no escaping that and that's just part of being part of the labor aristocracy as marx right in the, in the same way that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism there's also not really a lot of ethical production yeah yeah but i still think it's important to draw some hard lines for example fuck the police fuck the military though those are the two hard lines where it's just like nah go get another job like fuck cops fuck military 
New York Times journalists, we got our eyes on you. You're you're on watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go full Jay Sakai here, but uh, we can, you know, criticize some things here. Yeah, yeah, and even like um, even some people will bring up like as as an example, they'll be like, oh, a lot of workers in a certain factory or a certain workplace, they might be Trump supporters or something, and that's a very different that's a very different thing. They're potential allies in the future. You should still support them, even if they're fucking reactionaries or whatever. They're just people who are paying their bills. They're like normal people, whatever. Um, and they'll eventually be driven left or into fascism. Wait, are they Trump supporters or are they normal people? <laughs> okay, fair enough. But um, you know, you know what I mean. It's just yeah, like it, it, there's definitely a distinction. They're not the same as cops or people yeah. in the military. But I mean, and this goes yeah. back to something that again we can go back to our like rich history because leftism is or communism is fucking awesome and lenin wrote about this shit back in the day right like go read like left-wing communism and infantile disorder and he talks about it's like hey you as bolsheviks are gonna have to be dealing with like reactionary unions and things like that go out among them educate them that's the reality of the world we're living in you know what i mean it's just it's just how it is right now and not everybody is gonna pass some kind of like necessary i mean obviously there's certain things that we need to condemn and shit like that but they're not everybody not everybody that is a trump supporter is totally unreachable you know it's some guy who just by virtue of absorbing fox news somehow thinks without doing much more investigation into it that trump may be better for him in the union you know what i mean and, and pro labor i don't know how you get to that point but people do you know but i gotta change that <laughs> Yeah. Nick, you have a fucking magical way of like, I'll go on a tangent and then you'll say a sentence and I'll be like, oh, that makes that makes me realize exactly what I wanted to say. Uh, and and you just did it again. I, I, I've only read like a couple of paragraphs out of uh, that that uh, linen work. But uh, no, it gets it gets to the heart of, of what I was feeling. Like if you alienate a certain strike or a certain union because you don't approve of X, Y or Z that they're doing, it creates a slippery slope for saying i don't support you know this strike because uh these people are reactionaries and like you know in all of our hearts we are tempted to say that because it's frustrating but yeah. at the end of the day you're not you're not a communist so that you can say i told you so you're a communist because you actually want to help the people around you and better the world that you live in yeah and that kind of shit tends towards like some kind of like liberalism right and like purity politics of liberalism it's like well i don't want to go support these strikers because they're not wearing masks on like the picket line it's like and they're that's ableist it's like all right well what are we what are we doing here you know what oh, i mean God. you know i saw that take what strike was that that i saw that i don't, no. I don't fucking know you know like, but like uh, give me like a three break, weeks you know? ago somebody posted and it went viral where they were just like i don't support this strike because no one on the picket line was wearing a mask and it's just like please go fuck yourself uh go please go to the picket line and tell them that let's see what happens <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? I'll be honest with you guys. I think that was uh, a lot of surprisingly good takes for a topic that we said we didn't know a whole lot about to begin with. And uh, keeping We're professionals, in that, in that same vein. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some other topics that we barely know anything about other than some headlines. What do you guys think? It's easy to talk a lot about things you don't know anything about when you have the immortal science. <laughs> oh, yeah, buddy. Then go international and talk about Peru. Okay, yeah. We could do that. Well, I mean, all I was going to say about the peru and argentina situation is like there were a couple of coups all in the span of like i think 48 hours or something and yeah i mean i don't really have a, a lot to say about it because i don't have a lot of information offhand just what i've heard from other shows and podcasts but like there's no fucking way i'm going to support any coup 
of a leftist government in Latin American country, especially when like it just so happens to be the U.S.'s interests and the West's interests, if that so happens. Um, and I will recommend some of the shows to go listen to, but uh, I want to see what Nick has first. Yeah. Um, I guess I just, from what I know, and I need to educate myself a little bit more on it and listen to some more of the things that you're going to recommend, I'm sure. But I mean, I think the basics are that the president, Pedro Castillo, um, he came to the presidency, I think last year in like a very narrow victory, right? And he was never a politician before. I think he was an educator. I think he's got, um, indigenous roots, right? So he came from a more humble backgrounds, much more working class background. And I think Peru Libre, his party is much more explicitly, uh, maybe tends towards socialism. I don't know exactly what the dynamics of that party are in particular, but that's kind of his background, right? But that is set in the context of him narrowly beating the former dictator's daughter, Fujimori, um, I think is the name of the family. I don't remember the dictator's name or whatever. But the Fujimori family still really dominates the oligarchy in Peru as it is. And they are much, as you can imagine, overrepresented and their interests are overrepresented in the Peruvian Senate, right? Which is a deeply, deeply unpopular body. I think they've got like an 11% approval rating. So, you know, it's like how it is here, right? Like they've got a, a, I was a, say, a, a Senate, like an American approval yeah, they've rating. got a Senate of oligarchs, right? And then they had a president um, narrowly win um, on a popular left-wing ticket, right? So as you can imagine, I think the past year has been marked by obstructionism, because this guy has a very populist platform or had a very populist platform and it can't get much of that done when faced with all this right wing opposition. Um, and I think, you know, because we're still playing in the realm of electoralism in this scenario, he did some things such as like appeasing, trying to appease the right wing, got rid of some like left wing cabinet members that were pushing for more progressive policies and things like that and attempt to kind of work within it. Um, and I think he just found himself in this corner where his political life kind of depended upon trying to dissolve the Senate because he was going to get impeached anyway and probably thrown out of office soon. Um, again, as far as I understand yeah. how this kind of goes at the moment. Um, so he was really faced with, with, with a rock and a hard place. But I guess tied to what you were saying, Mike, um, because the U.S. immediately you know, issues a statement in support of maintaining democracy in Peru by this fucking unpopular Senate, right? So your alarm bell should be going off immediately when you see some kind of statement in support of the overthrow of this person from the U.S., right? Um, and then was the journalist who wrote about that from the New York Times? <laughs> I can only imagine, right? Just to tie it together, um, he, he squeezed and, it in right before the strike. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then just secondarily, and it just goes to show in the context of a world dominated by uh, U.S. imperialism and hegemony just the limits of electoralism, which is why, you know, I think we need to celebrate all of the electoral, left-wing electoral victories that we're seeing in South America from, you know, Lula all through Central America. But we have to be very cautiously optimistic about this stuff because, again, some of these institutions, such as the Fujimori Senate in Peru, still maintain intact, right? It's um one of the things I thought was really interesting about the Peru situation is just watching liberals' addiction to institutions, no matter how rotten or corrupt they are. Yeah, It's just like, well, he went against, uh, quote-unquote, uh, democracy, because apparently a, uh, apparently a, uh, uh, the, a Congress that's dominated by the literal fucking kids of a like, brutal dictator um, and also previous supporters of that brutal dictator, not just his kids, apparently that represents democracy. The fact that even though the dictatorship is over, the institutions that remain are filled with people who formally supported and still ideologically supported that dictator. 
it's like why why would you continue to support that institution beyond the fact that you're a fucking liberal and you don't think about things beyond uh institutions good uh and then everything else anything that's not an institution is bad they don't give a shit about like actual uh, achieving things it's just about maintaining institutions america like, fucking still loves the constitution even though there's still carve outs for slavery yeah yeah yeah, uh, you guys said basically everything I was going to say. Um, the only things that I would add is um, like both sides of this, the Congress and um, Castillo have like a claim of legitimacy in the rules or whatever. But the rules don't matter when, you know, one side has guns and the other doesn't, you know, like I, I've heard also people saying like, well, this is why you have to like take take power, you know, take over the military, purge the right wing, you know, that kind of thing. And of course, you know, we would be called authoritarian for saying that, those kinds of things. But like, you know, what else are you going to do to get rid of the, the right wing when they, they control all these levers of power and everything? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it so many times in history. I mean, just to keep kind of keep it in the region, but in Central America, I mean, look at what happened in Guatemala or I mean, or Chile with Allende, right? Like Guatemala specifically, um, the right had the guns and they didn't mobilize the name is slipping my mind. Um, but the the left wing president in Guatemala just didn't mobilize, you know, the our Benz. The, the, our Benz, our Benz, sorry. Yeah, but didn't mobilize like the armed forces that were still, uh, you know, under his control, under the left's control in time, you know what I mean, to actually stop the right wing advance. And, you know, Allende, similar situation with Pinochet, right? Yeah. No, that's a good point that you bring up because I wanted to mention that about Castillo as well. It's like, I'm going to just say, like, I recommend everybody listen to uh, Ben Norton's program because he did a good job talking about it. Um, if Brian Becker hasn't, I'm sure he will. Uh, check out Ramiro Sebastian Funes' channel. He always talks about anti-imperialist news, especially in South America, and he's going to have a great take, as always. But um, the way that Ben Norton described it was like, yeah, Castillo actually did make some mistakes along the way, politically, that could have avoided the situation. Like, uh, if he had aligned with certain other left parties that are maybe not as left as his like even social democrats i think would have helped the situation a bit and it's something that he didn't do and you could definitely chalk that up to him being not a politician like literally being an indigenous teacher like somebody who is a working man of the people and is not a political insider in this fucking leaning right-wing country uh with this legacy of the dictatorship like you guys mentioned so it's just the unfortunate uphill struggle of left-wing movements in latin america as we're familiar with but um I think there's definitely a parallel there to what you said about Allende as well. And I, and I think it's funny because when I was debating Praxpen, he tried to say that like Allende was responsible for his own coup because he is the one who nominated um, Pinochet to the military to begin with. And that the U.S. didn't have anything to do with Pinochet cooing Allende and taking power. And it's funny, once I looked into it like in depth after that, the literal only source for the cia not being involved is the cia saying that they weren't involved they're like no it, it wasn't us but also here's five other coups that we were definitely involved in that we admit um but not that one <laughs> i mean did he know I nothing about itt basically coming to congress and urging them to fucking oust Allende because of their business interests in the yeah, region but there's no but nick you gotta understand Jesus. there's no document signed by uh william Casey, we did this um thing <laughs> okay I am, I am not defending prax ben's position here it's stupid, but it is kind of fucking weird that there's not a CIA document saying that they did it because they're normally after a few years, they're just like, oh, yeah, here's our stack of paperwork. We did it. What's but what's even weirder is 
the anti-statist taking the position that we should believe the CIA and the statist <laughs> Marxist Leninist being like, no, let's not believe the government. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, here's just uh, uh, trivia for for my own uh, well-being. Are there any countries in South America that there hasn't been a right-wing coup in? In South America, not that I can think of. <laughs> just, just curious. Condor got a lot, man. Yeah, so uh, honestly, at this point, if if you're like a left wing politician in South America and you gain power, just put them up against the wall. That's the that's the only way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so and, but I it's something that Peru and Argentina. Yeah, no, I was just right. gonna say it. It's something that like we should you know take because at the end of the day, like you know, we're we're very much separated from that particular struggle and things like that. But just from the outside looking in, I mean, just goes to show how you know a popular mass movement of the working class brought him into power but it seems to me just like how important it is in that context to continue the mobilization of those people you know what i mean like if you've got if you've got the masses behind you and on the street and i think some of the, some people did come out in the streets like after the fact you know what i mean but like just to maintain popular movements to sustain and protect that movement it's so important and i think that's just something from like forever in a situation like that on the left in the in, in the u.s or whatever incarnation of a new state that's that's just so crucial isn't it yeah yeah i mean i think there are those kind of protests but not maybe at the scale as there were in bolivia mm -hmm. after the coup there um but yeah we'll see what happens well it wasn't just protests in bolivia it was like borderline war yeah yeah exactly they specifically banned indigenous people from the cities and set up barricades. All right. So that's all I got as far as Peru and Argentina. We can move on to the next topic that I also know very little about, and I'm hoping someone else does. By the way, thank you for your good job on that, Nick, for uh, bringing all the info on that. But um, I did want to ask if anybody had anything on the marriage bill, because it's something that I heard vaguely about. And the impression that I got was just that the Democrats passed a bill that ostensibly protects gay marriage, but then also doesn't really. It's like it protects gay marriages and their validity, even in states that don't recognize it as a concept, but then they still have to recognize it among other states. I don't know. My main concern when I heard about it was first and foremost, is this something that Republicans can just immediately quash the next time they get into office? Because that's typically what they do. Even if it's against the rules, they usually find a way to, to do it. You know, I'll, I'll always harp on executive orders because it seems like the right is more than willing to use process to whatever advantage they can. And whoever said it earlier like democrats and liberals just revere institutions for the sake of institutions especially to their own detriment but if anybody has anything on the marriage bill feel free to uh take it away because i'm pretty uninformed myself okay so yeah we, we we're kind of going into this a little bit blind i've for a little while before recording i was actually looking for the text of the bill and i couldn't necessarily find what i was wanting to what, what i was looking for but it seems like that this is is not anything it's uh from what i could gather it's ensuring that uh let's say if uh fucking gay marriage is legal in pennsylvania and me and nick shack up and get married and move to fucking alabama where it's been banned alabama still has to recognize that marriage legally because it like you know it's it's basically like a interstate commerce sort of thing but with marriage but like it's not as i understand it is not protecting any particular state or preventing them from banning it again. Uh, and more to the point, like, because I, I'm seeing more stories like this now, it's not doing anything to ensure that uh, services are provided to people. 
Like you can still like encounter situations where it's like you want to have uh, a gay wedding. You go get your fucking cake and they say, uh, no, we're not going to make you a cake. You're gay. Get out of here. So like it's it's to like a very mild degree in, ensured that some people's marriages will be respected under certain circumstances. I mean, the other thing that we have to keep in mind here and just to the point of the Democrats, like maybe just doing something for um, you know, rhetorical brownie points and not actually hitting the substance that they actually need to to ensure protections for these things. All in the background here is the Supreme Court's, you know, the right wing Supreme Court's attacks on basic rights that, you know, have just been enshrined through, you know, judicial authority, right, at this point in time, just like they did with Roe. And you've got Obergefell um, v. Hodges in the background, and that's in the crosshairs for people like Thomas, right? So I don't think that this bill again, from what limited reading I've done, will actually address that kind of fundamental weakness in this entire structure where that if they go and attack that kind of case, they could roll back everything that was basically predicated upon that case being legal precedent. You know what I mean? So again, they're not doing what they fucking actually need to do. I came across one thing, and unless I misread something because I was kind of speed reading, it was saying that this also... Uh, protects like interracial marriages in the same way that it protects gay marriage, uh, specifically because with some of the decision, like uh, I forget all the phrasing, but uh, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, like Clarence Thomas, the speech that he gave, it basically was was refuting the the foundation of what a lot of uh, uh, various rights are predicated upon. So. It kind of looked like this bill was just uh, them frantically trying to cobble something together so that they could prevent uh, the judicial branch from doing something else like completely fucking bananas. And like, because like, you know, people, I didn't think it was a realistic approach, but it was something worthwhile to discuss that there were people who were concerned that Clarence Thomas was setting up to like overturn your ability to like do interracial marriage. Because it's America is, you know, just apparently we're going back into the 20s again and not uh, in the way that you would think. Uh, just I don't know. It's 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 wild, but it doesn't look like it's actually offering that much in the way of protections for people. Uh, to me, as sure. like an outsider, it's just uh, really absurd just seeing headlines that are saying things like, oh, this bill also includes protections for interracial marriage. It's like. Just like just seeing that written down, I'm just like, what? Why? Why is this even a thing that's being talked? Like, why? Like, why do you need to protect interracial marriages? I thought that was like a like. Why is why is whether or not interracial marriage is a thing a debate? Like, yeah. what? What is going on? It's so absurd. It's just so absurd. It's like you guys are going, you guys are going like really far backwards very quickly. And it's very, very, very disturbing. And you guys only legalized same-sex marriage. You did it before Australia, like 10 years before Australia. So good job. But um, Australia is not going to go back on that. And that's not even being talked about or anything like that. It's just wild to me that it is being... In America, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to get rid of it probably, you know, in the next five years. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It's just... It's just insane. I never, I didn't see this coming. I thought they would like, while America continues its decline, it will maintain as for as long as it can its sort of uh, little, little sort of social things 
as a as a means of maintaining uh, the happiness of the populace to some extent. But they don't they don't seem to give a fuck about that. They're like, no, nah, we'll get rid of interracial marriage. We'll get rid of same sex marriage. Uh, we, they got you already got rid of abortion. So it's like you get rid of fucking what else? Like what else can be on the table? Probably everything. Bring back slavery, maybe. I I mean, yeah. But we would have had to have stopped doing that at some point. Oh yeah, you. right. Excuse me. <laughs> So is this just a, a long game for uh, Clarence Thomas to to get divorced because he doesn't want to be married to this white woman anymore? <laughs> that's, it doesn't take that scene, yeah, right? That's that. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that floating around for a while. There yeah. are easier ways, but I guess yeah. Jesus won't let him. I tell you what, I, mean, I fucking just... bet you, if they if you got rid of interracial marriage, if the Supreme Court got rid of that, cunt would still be able to be married to his wife. That he would have some exception. Mm -hmm. Like it won't it won't affect him. It won't affect people in Congress who have interracial or same sex marriages or whatever the fuck. They'll be able to still do it. Actually, we're saying it... he would ban all interracial marriage just to get out of his. Oh, okay, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the end goal is actually the beheading. He's trying to do like a King Henry the Eighth or whatever. He just wants to cut her head off. <laughs> so I actually found on the ACLU website they kind of do a little bit of a breakdown. And so it looks like what this is doing is uh, like codifying gay marriage on the federal level, but it does not require any state to uh, like honor that. So any state can have gay marriage or not. Federally, all gay marriages have to be recognized, but there is nothing to prevent any particular state from banning it. This is why I hate this state's rights and federalism. There's, this is an indefensible system. Because it really is just to prevent people from getting rights. States should have one right, and that's to shut the fuck up. Hell yeah. No, that's actually what I was thinking of this whole time when you guys were talking about this. It was like, no investigation, no right to speak. And I think about it all the time. I say it all the time. You guys are sick of hearing me saying it. But like, I just I just keep thinking, because that is the new right-wing tactic, is that they call us intolerant because they are fucking wrong and they want to impose their intolerance on other people and they're like oh you're not tolerant of my bigotry you're gonna make me bake a cake for some gay people because i don't agree with their lifestyle i don't care if you agree i don't fucking care if you agree you don't have to agree you have to live and let live you have to like be a decent person to other people and offer them basic humanity or else you need to get the fucking wall and i'm sick of dealing with these people but <laughs> i'm not going to tell you that you have to bake a cake i'm going to tell you that you should be very fearful for your safety if you don't uh, I was going to say, there's a meme here where, you know, we've got the cartoon of the Soviet soldier holding the AK and saying, bake the fucking gay cake. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I want. It's also like, that's a perfect sort of encapsulation of uh, sort of, sort of, I would say, uh, reactionary American conservative uh, fantasy thinking, where they're, all, they're coming up with these scenarios in their heads where it's like, the gay cake specifically that did actually happen that was a specific event that happened but it is always like these very this very specific very niche event that doesn't really uh isn't that huge of like a thing in the grand scheme of things but it's like they're always inventing these these fantasy scenarios in their heads where it's like what if a gay person comes in and is like i want uh, I want a gay coffee. What if I want a gay coffee from your gay from the gay bar, from the gay barista? What if I? It's like it's the same thing where it's like I want to. If they have the fantasy with their with their fucking guns or whatever, um, you know. I obviously I support everyone having guns. Everyone should have guns. But the right wing conception of of guns is like 
Oh, uh, if I ever had to use it, it's uh, I'll be at my I'll be at my porch shooting at people who come to me, not any other sort of scenario. It's a it's like a fa- it's always a it's always a fucking unrealistic fantasy scenario where it's like how many people realistically are going to be in a situation where they're having a cake being baked denied or whatever. It's just it's it's bizarre. Um, like I I I know that was the big one that inevitably like traveled across the ocean into Australia, but like. We do have cases like that. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, someone in fucking Alabama refused to issue a marriage license to an interracial couple. There's a handful of uh, other things that have been coming to light right now where, uh, oh God, the one I just saw was like some like web developer refused to design a website for a gay couple's wedding because they were gay. And like, no shit like that comes up and it's it's protected and those people shouldn't feel safe in their beds at night. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of times it just happens a lot quieter, I think, because like one of my mom's friends is a musician and performs a lot at weddings and um, just said, you know, like a gay couple came to her and said, hey, will you perform at our wedding? And she's like, oh, no, sorry, I'm booked that weekend. I can't, you know, that kind of thing happens every day, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I like. I've said this to people in person, and I'm sure that no one listening to this show really needs any convincing, but you have to understand the logical conclusion of the reasoning because it's saying, I don't have to serve gay people. What that means is, okay, I don't have to like officiate their wedding. Uh, I don't have to sell them a cake. If they come to my grocery store, I don't have to sell them food. If they come to my gas station, I don't have to sell them fuel uh, until eventually they can possibly live in a community where they don't have access to food, shelter, uh, transportation, or anything else because everyone there is a bigot and had the right to refuse them service. So that's a good point because I guess in the, the more absurd example being the cake is the only thing that really made it over here. Um, I didn't really know about the other stuff as well. But um, again, all the analysis uh, by like Libs was about the cake specifically, and they didn't have a systemic analysis like what you just did, which is like, hey, if they can't, if they can't do it with, if they can do it with the cake, they can do it with fucking everything, literally everything. And they, and it's not just going to be gay people; it's going to be black people as well. They're going to bring back essentially, they'll get, you know, it's like if you have the right to refuse service to gay people, you'll have the right to receive, uh, refuse service to black people as well, which in effect will just be segregation again basically like yeah and yeah. and i think it was in texas where there's um they're trying to get a law on the books that basically bans like drag performances but it's broad enough to basically uh criminalize anyone who is visibly trans who is dressing in a manner that's not of their birth sex so like yeah you we i don't know i it maybe it's a slippery slope argument but like i could see a future where like Basically, anyone who's uh, LGBTQ is like siloed off into a ghetto or not uh, able to uh, interact with broad society in in uh, any normal way, you know. And that's so broad as well. Like being like, "Oh, you're not dressing like your gender." Like, what the fuck does that mean? Exactly. Like, it's ex- yeah, it's extremely broad. You can be like, "That guy's wearing a pink shirt. He's gay. Put him in the camp." Like that's like well, you know literally. Leads. What it- Button. Yeah. You know what that leads to is fucking genital inspections. And that's what, like, the real... Oh, people are already like, talking about that is on the right. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what they're... That's Okay, so that's what really blows my mind. And I want to segue this into um, something else because 
we also had in here as another topic to possibly bring up, but I also know we don't know enough about it to spend a significant amount of time on, which was the uh, power substations being blown up by supposedly right-wing extremists to prevent drag shows from happening. And I wanted to save it for next week because I want to look more into it before I go openly saying that this was done by right-wing extremists. But from what we can tell so far, it seems like it was based on the threats that were happening in these areas beforehand, based on the pattern of what has happened elsewhere, uh, you know, to the same extent. And that's what this is all kind of like, right? Is that this is all in drips and drabs and any singular event the right can point to and say, oh, you're just being histrionic, you're just overreacting. There isn't some kind of systemic widespread war on these LGBT people. You're just overreacting or whatever. But we see that this is happening. Like We see the individual acts of violence and we see the rhetoric being you know, proposed among even like the, the mainstream right now. And before we just got on tonight, I was actually listening to the most recent QAnon Anonymous episode talking about Tulsi Gabbard's yes, roots. Yes, I was too, actually. Holy shit, you guys, like that is a fucking rabbit hole. And I cannot wait till they come out with more parts of that. But that is where we're at now. And I think people really need to take into account like the the magnitude of what is really happening, because I feel like, again, liberals are just so focused on institutions and they feel like they're going to protect them from this like rampant stochastic violence that it is already very visibly not protecting anyone from. So but let me go with Nick and then Brandon. Yeah, I just want to point out and not to reduce it all down to this, but just to point out that like as as materialists, we can still bring it down to a material reality here. And this is a reaction to, you know, changes regarding around perceptions of what the family should be, because you have to understand like all these gender norms, like we're talking about, like how people dressed, right? Like implicit or maybe even explicit, like dress codes and things like that, how you operate sexually in like your private life, how the family is constructed is an integral part of how Western capitalism in particular has developed, right? And again, it's also convenient on one hand because all these issues that people that people can raise obfuscates and like this is going to tie into the episode that we're working on together about like these right wing talking points and how they just miss the forest for the trees every time because they're not talking about capitalism. Right. But this is a critical feature of how capitalism works in terms of like social reproduction within this capitalist context. Right. And changes to how society actually works. You know what I mean? Changing gender norms, which are a good thing. And the reality is we're actually hopefully moving back to a place where humanity always was in terms of what was acceptable um, in terms of gender expression, all this kind of stuff, right? Sex, sexuality, whatever it may be. But this is a reaction and, and, and it has material roots in it still at the end of the day, right? And it expresses itself and it comes out in a lot of different ways because there's super structural elements built into it. So again, I don't want to reduce it all down to capitalism here. But once again, we're back at a very fundamental mechanism of this system, you know? What I was wanting to say was to uh, address like, uh, so we've talked a lot this episode about, you know, defending the systems and how the uh, liberals really like uh, uh, want to stand by like all of all of uh, the different systems that we have in place to do whatever. And uh, a thing that I think is really interesting is that the right wing is way more intense about wanting to defend those systems, but also much quicker to abandon them when they no longer serve their purpose. And it, it really shows how useless they are. Because if if one group of if if one side is willing to play by the rules and the other side is only willing to play by the rules until they're losing, then the rules are irrelevant and always were. 
and we have the option of not playing by those rules. And yeah. like, so because, uh, and to bring this back around to the actual relevant topic that we're discussing here, uh, one, like, you know, uh, the right is far and away, like both, both sides in terms of Republicans and Democrats do this, but the right really fucking loves to be the law and order candidates. Like you got, you got to do things the right way, the legal way. Like we're going to, we're going to follow the, the thing. No, in, in this case, now we won't jump so far as to say that we know for a fact that a right wing group was uh, shooting out power substations to stop a drag show. We don't know that for a fact yet. Um, I had heard a couple of things that I thought were more concrete, but like, let's, let's pretend that that's not the case for right now. It was still effectively low key domestic terrorism. They were, uh, whatever they were trying to accomplish, they, they shot out like five or six, seven like power substations and knocked out the power in an entire city. It was whatever, like a whole county, wasn't it? Yeah, more county. Okay. Whatever they were trying to accomplish, if it was something that could be accomplished by knocking the power out in an entire county, then they did that. Now, unless a whole bunch of banks got robbed, in which case, like, critical support for whoever shot up the substations, uh, then no, they, they <laughs> got... <laughs> oh, this was not okay unless they did it for the purposes of crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. crime against um, capital yes right mm. but you know it's a, that, uh, that does fall in line sorry just real quick i did mention a couple of weeks ago the pattern of right-wing attacks and i had mentioned the the bomb threats that successfully ended a title nine investigation and this falls in line exactly with that and like we're giving them the benefit of the doubt of the, and assuming that it is not right-wing terrorists just for the time being at least until next week and we can research more it's like we're already giving them more generosity than they would give anybody but oh yeah i did mention it briefly before and i didn't get into it i forgot but like the genital inspections like that is literally the the point that they're already ending at publicly like the right wing is already proposing publicly genital inspections for children so that they can determine that they are dressing appropriate to their sex you know, rather than, you know, and, and to their gender assigned at birth, rather than whatever gender they feel like they should express. And so... Yeah, but we're, we're again, the groomers. Remember that? We're the groomers, not them. The, the guys who want to look at kids' dicks, they're not groomers. It's us. This is going to create a generation of really normal people, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing that is yeah. fucking going on in the whole world right now is going to create normal people. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking wild, dude. Unreal. Well, no, I mean, like, I okay, I don't know if this is specifically what Mike is talking about, but I, I very specifically remember hearing that sort of talk coming out of Florida. And they, uh, fucking, uh, DeSantis just had to, like, go to court because of his, like, anti-woke bill, and he was just being so fucking dumb and flagrant that even the Florida courts had to be like, dude, you actually have to say what the word woke means. You can't just ban random words. But like, yeah. God, and, and then that, the definition, just to the the um the payoff. Oh yeah, that, yeah. The definition <laughs> was the idea that there are systemic disadvantages to people of color, or that there is like any kind of systemic systemic racism in this country, and that we should work to overcome that at all. All yeah. of that is woke. Yeah, I guess I'm woke. <laughs> yeah, the crazy Which thing about hate that, that term. is, not, yeah, that's not the definition of woke either. That's not when most people talk about what is woke and what isn't woke. It's usually not a systemic analysis. Um, it's not about the system or institutional racism or whatever. It's wokeness is about individualist 
like sort of individualist individually held beliefs. That's my understanding of what quote unquote woke means as it's used by most people is it's a, it's individual sort of thing. That's my understanding. It's just very it's a weird tell that this guy uses it uses that term and applies it to like a systemic thing because obviously if he does that his bill is a lot more effective and more wide reaching I would say than like individual individual beliefs. In America, one of the quickest ways to like make the right like just up in arms is is not even to just like on an individual level, like you know, like using woke like you were, like uh, it's it's to point out that there are systems of inequality. That's that's what the uh, uh, critical race theory discussion was all about. It was not that they got weird about it, saying that it was being taught in our schools and all. Like it's it's a legal theory in its origins, but like. Anything that they, they want to frame everything as like other people are saying that there are systemic problems and there are there are no systemic problems, but other people are saying that. And so we need to shut them up. And when they're not saying that, then they have to turn it back into that because that's that's their deep concern, because it is literally what's happening and they don't want it addressed. Nick, what's up? No, I was just saying we're getting a little bit into a discussion on like etymology here a little bit, but I actually think from what I understood that woke actually came from more of like the radical black community when it was more of a descriptor to say that, oh, you're actually woke to the fact that we are facing systemic issues, right? In terms of prejudice and systemic violence and things like that. So that's how I actually understood the origins of the term. It's of course since been co-opted and abused by, you know, both liberals and the right wing here, you know what I mean? But I, that's, I actually did understand its origins as being descriptive of understanding some kind of systemic, systemic oppressions. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just for the, I guess what my interaction with the term has been from liberals who view it in an individualist sense. I didn't Mm -hmm. actually know that was the origin of it. Um, I guess DeSantis is bringing it back to the origin of the of the term. <laughs> Good job, DeSantis. Right. I support you for. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, fuck him. Um, anyway, all right. So we got about. Um, I'd say we should do another fifteen. And so our choices are: we can either talk about some I quit stories, and I reached out to some people on Instagram and said, "Send me your stories of quitting, especially if your story screwed over." an employer and that employer was particularly bad. And I got a couple of good stories we could read through. Or we have uh Bryant's um crash course on homebrewing, which I'm actually kinda I'm interested in. I would like to hear what that is. But it depends both on what you guys think we should do and also what we think we can wrap up in the next fifteen or so. So I'll let you guys uh I don't know, what do you guys think? Maybe leading a certain way? I mean I could definitely do that in fifteen minutes, but I'm also kinda kinda curious to hear some of these stories. That sounds kinda like fun, but I don't know what do you guys think. I love Bryant, but I love hearing about people quitting and fucking companies over. <laughs> I, I have a handful There's... of those stories. <laughs> we could, we could right, do well, just do like that a leftist hobbies like separate thing, you know? Like we could just do a, a separate leftist hobbies episode sometime, you know what I mean? That just sounds good, yeah. Later, maybe. But yeah. There, there have been times yeah. when and I was unemployed meantime. and wanted to get jobs just to fuck companies over. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and like in the meantime, anybody like, who wants to can reach out to Bryant in the discord and we can talk about homebrewing or whatever. And, uh, cause I will definitely have some questions about that. Cause it's always something I've just been interested in, but not enough to like investigate it on my own. I want somebody who already knows to like, tell me how to do it, you know? Yeah. But um, I'll, I'll try and check the discord. I don't know if I always do that, but <laughs> I've only recently started to learn how. I'm going to hand it to you for the I quit stories. So I gave you like, 
probably half a dozen or so. And then I actually meant to reach out to these people and see if they wanted to be like revealed and if we should like plug their Instagram handles or whatever. But uh, I guess what we'll do is we'll just read them. And then if anybody wants credit, then we'll put that in the show notes or whatever. But uh, so I'm going to leave you to uh, pick out some of the more interesting can I, ones. Can, can I start with my, my funniest, my funniest story, which was when I wasted a company that I quit a lot of their time. It's like a supermarket. It was pretty funny. I had like an altercation with another worker at the supermarket that I worked at because he was being a dickhead. Um, and he was like telling me I was too slow, even though he wasn't coming out and helping me push the trolleys. So I pushed trolleys for a supermarket. Or oh, you guys call them shopping carts or whatever the fuck. Um, we call them yeah. trolleys because we're a normal place. Uh, anyway, so no <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Australia's a normal place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, trolleys, no, that not. sounds too much like public transit. We don't do that around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, anyway, I had a screaming match with this other worker. And um, we're like uh, calling each other names in front of the customers. And the manager was really good about it or whatever. But um, basically, I was not happy with the whole situation. The manager wanted to do the next day... that. Next time I came in, the manager wanted to do, uh, what's it called, mediation? He wanted to do mediation. Okay. But I was sick of the job at that point, so I got ready to quit. I signed all, I got all my resignation stuff ready, and I was like, yeah, I'll do mediation. They said, cool, so we'll have this manager and this manager and this manager come to the store. And also, uh, they had like five different managers come to the store. <laughs> and then I waited until they all came to the store, and then I gave one of them my resignation letter. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, at the end of my shift, I'm leaving. And then I, I was like, uh, and uh, do you still want to do mediation? They're like, oh, probably not. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just, so I like, just wasted these people's time. It was my favorite, favorite thing. They made the them world. all commute time in Australia, which yeah, is like yeah. an hour for everything. Like, yeah, commute. Yeah, commute time in Australia. So they all got like a million dollars each. Um, it cost that company so much money. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's my that's my funniest story, I guess. Um, so a lot of other people put some other stuff in here. Um, my favorite was. Let me find it. Wait, do we save the best one for last? Do we go with like one of the milder ones first, just to like warm us up? Okay, here's one. So. Uh, this guy worked at a shitty video transfer place. Actually, I'll just read what they say because it'll be from the first person. So this person's name, I'm probably not going to say his name. That's probably not a good idea. Um, we'll call him um, Brad. So he goes, worked at some shitty video transfer place and had some new supervisor fucking with me. So I threw out all of my directions for how to fix the incredibly buggy DVD burner that would constantly <laughs> hold up production. Clocked out for lunch and never came back. Based. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> that's awesome that's always uh, fun when you can like cripple an entire institution just by getting rid of that little bit of institutional knowledge you know oh my god i love like when you work at a place and they have like a fucking like uh four by four ripped out piece of a legal paper and it's like taped to the back of the cash register and that's like the entire business depends on that because it's the whole closing <laughs> procedure <laughs> like oh Capitalism is so efficient, guys. It's like it's so efficient. It's beautiful. I like how you can just cripple a business by getting rid of a piece of paper. It's a... <laughs> if, uh, if here's another guy. Level, one, one of my favorite quitting stories. Like I think it. I think it's the one that Connor from our show liked enough that he actually made it its own segment one time for like a special thing. But I, I oh. if we have an extra minute. Was it the trucking company one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. We'll have time. We'll make time. Okay, okay. then I have four. <laughs> I never quit on good terms. Burn your bridges. Fuck them. I agree. So, okay, this one's not funny. It's just sad. So oh. this is this is more of a fucked up one. So this guy said, about 10 years ago, I was working as a store manager for a successful foot, footwear company. Um, I asked for the morning of Redacted Off to attend a quick event for my mom who died three years previous. So it was like a memorial service. They took time from the pre-Christmas meeting. Oh, so this was in December. Yeah, they took time from the pre-Christmas meeting for all managers to publicly deny it and belittle me for asking. Holy Jesus. Yeah. So he said, I just left the store on such and such date in December and never came back, contacted HR to complain and got full pay for six months, including quarterly bonuses. Fuck yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, That was a good ending. Yeah, I think that dude won. Yeah. That's just... That is really like just the fact that you would be like, oh yeah, I, I'd like to go to a memorial service for my dead mother, and then they're like, how dare you? That's it's gross. It's fucking. I'd like to go to a memorial service for my dead mom. Well, we would like you to not be a lazy piece of shit. So, yeah, yeah it's so I, gross. I quit a job once because they wouldn't give me time off to go to my friend's wedding and my brother's birthday. So I'm like, all right, bye. See ya. Yeah. I've quit for way less. I've quit for like any, <laughs> just the dumbest reasons. Like, you know, it takes nothing for me to quit a job. I just hate working. I'm such a commie. Like, uh, Brandon, let me hear one of yours or a couple of yours, but then and then we'll get back to some of Jared's because I want to get I want to make sure we get to yours. The the one that uh, they really liked on the show was uh, I I was driving tractor trailers and uh, I was on a truck with a trainer and. Uh, a thing that you like is worth noting about me is that like I'm actually not as confrontational as I seem like I would be in situations like this. I'd rather just walk away. Um, so I was on a truck with this dude. He ended up being kind of a fucking psychopath. Like he would just wake me up yelling like I'm asleep in the back of the cab and he would just be like yell at me for something I did. So uh, anyway, I'm driving and he's telling me that we need to pull into the next truck stop to uh, fuel up and do this shit. And uh, I ask him a question and he's on the phone with his girlfriend and he moves the phone to the side and yells at me. Uh, Can't you see I'm on the phone with my girlfriend? Shut the fuck up. And I'm like, all right, heard. Uh, so I pull into the truck stop, f- find a place to park. He goes inside to uh, talk to them about getting the repairs done and to get a shower because you shower at truck stops when you're a trucker. And while he was inside showering, I packed my stuff and left. I hitchhiked. <laughs> I was in... I was in Kentucky. I hitchhiked to Columbus, Ohio over the course of the next like day and a half. I, I literally was at a truck stop with my like driver ID. Oh, and the company was Werner. I'm not going to like pull that punch. Fuck Werner. <laughs> uh, I clipped my company ID to uh, like my cardboard sign and wrote like trying to get to like wherever and just sat outside the truck stop. And that's what got me a ride. Somebody was just like, yeah, they suck. Hop in the truck. and they were just calling me and calling me and calling me for like two days because i wouldn't answer the phone i was like going to see some friends in ohio and fuck around um and it was like three days before any from anybody from the company actually got in touch with me and they were just like oh my god we've we had no idea what happened to you and i'm like i fucking know (laughs) (laughs) intentional (laughs) no Actually, like the the one thing I left behind, like left out was between me actually leaving and uh, 
like uh, uh, us get like I, I called my dispatcher and I got like a midnight dispatcher. So it wasn't my normal guy. And was just like, this is the problem I'm having. I want to be dropped off at a terminal. There's one an hour and a half away. It's only a little bit out of the route. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to stay on the truck for the night. So you have to. And he's just like, well, if you're going to be this difficult with me, no wonder he's being such an asshole to you. And I'm like, OK, yeah, no, I got you. Got you. <laughs> Let's, but let's see what your boss thinks of it when you lose a guy for three fucking days. <laughs> I really, I wish I would, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in there because, like, I'm sure that they have a lot of people quit, but I don't know how many people they physically lose. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Halfway through that, I remember hearing that on your show, and I just, I, I love hearing it. It's a great story. I loved it the first time. Loved it the second time. It's great. Uh, I have another one that's really fast, but it's probably like my favorite. Uh, my last job at the machine shop, I um, was told that I was going to be getting a decent raise for the year, but my boss hated me. So he blocked my supervisor's recommendation and gave me the minimum that they were giving everyone and shorted me that even like I actually had to go to the owner and be like, there was a mistake. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. There was a mistake. They gave me 29 cents. Um, and, you know, this was like a little over a year ago. So right around the time everything started skyrocketing in price. And I was livid and I didn't quit. I, I actually, this one kind of sucks a little bit because I put in a two week notice because I had a lot of coworkers that I really liked and it put them in a bind. But I went to Target and got a condolences card uh, that said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I wrote my two week notice on the inside of it <laughs> and gave that to my boss the next day. Like I showed all my coworkers beforehand and they're like, no. No, you're not going to do that. No. <laughs> and I, I turned it in and, and not one manager spoke to me before I quit. That's a good one. I like that too. I, I'm still friends with those dudes. I visit them about every three or four months and they're like, yeah, we still haven't replaced you. <laughs> <laughs> that was like 18 months ago. Oh my God. You know, just nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that felt so fucking good. We did a couple more minutes. Chad, you have a couple more, right? Yeah, I got a few more. Um, I'll probably just do... Um, okay, I'll just do this one as well. I got two more. All right, we'll do two more. So this guy said, they worked as a trainer at a local chain gym. Um, this new professional manager, which is a trainer in charge of trainers, joined our branch, and she was just shouting at us all the time and getting upset over nothing, always assuming we did something wrong, even when we were at our best. Always texted us when we weren't on shift and demanded that we'll be available when hours were not paid for. Um, oh, available even on hours we're not paid. Hours we are not paid for. I think that's what he means. <clears throat> when we were submitting our shifts, she would not accept it if we were not available on certain times and expect us to plan our weeks around shifts that were published on the weekend. A bunch of us quit and she begged each and every one to stay. She was fired maybe... A month after I quit, and the place is still a mess. It's especially <laughs> embarrassing since it's a premium gym, and they charge extra, but they're hiring in inexperienced staff. Yeah, it's fucked. Goddamn. That's just class. Have That's classic. That Have you guys noticed that where you like you come into a workplace and you're like, you you'll see how it operates, and you're like, okay, that I can kind of deal with this. And then you're there for about six months, and shit just starts to go off the rails, and like the good people quit, like. People get screwed over for like seemingly no reason, and it just seems to get like to this point where you're like, "Wow, how is this place still surviving?" And then like 
you see new people come on who didn't know what it was like before and they're like oh yeah i can kind of get down with this and like oh no you're you're like pulling your hair out they're like you have no idea how on fire this place is young blood and then they're like no bro this this seems cool and then you leave and you're like wow i wonder how that place is now and then you go back and it's even more on fire like (laughs) That is just how these companies, they just do it. I don't understand it. That's the spot that I quit with the greeting card. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of that somewhere <laughs> right now. It's like every workplace. I have another really good one. It's not mine, but it's, it's great. It's catastrophic. Um, my dad had been a union organizer back in the day in like the early 80s. Um, one of the last jobs he had before he died Um it was a very small company. It was a trucking company. And there was like 10 or 12 people that worked there. And one day he came into the office and I don't know the full story, but I know that he got into an argument with the owner's wife that ultimately resulted in her saying to my dad with other people around to hear um, something along the lines of, we can always hire new truck drivers. Uh, So my dad talked to everybody and they quit that evening and it put the company out of business. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh, you'll love to see it. Yeah. Call their bluff. Happens quite a lot. One person quits, everyone quits. I know that was an organized thing where you all quit at once, but a lot of the time it kicks off like a domino effect once one person leaves, other people like Yeah, that actually was not you know a what... union job that, that happened oh, at. Really? It was just he got mad and quit and talked told other people why, and they were like, Oh yeah, well fuck her, let him let her replace us. <laughs> Are you telling me that people who are like in a place of business for like a long time are able to recognize who else knows their shit? And when they see a bunch of them leave, they're like, oh, fuck, this is going to get way, like, way worse really fast. I'm, I'm out. Like, I, I get uh, why people make that like uh, argue like there's no such thing as like, uh, you know, unskilled labor. I, I, I get it and I support that. But like, I will say that when you have like a highly specialized skill, oh, it's so great because you can quit and they're just like, but but we don't know anyone else that does this. Uh, yeah, that's actually like, my, yeah, that's actually my situation with the job I just quit like a month ago, where I literally, uh, I don't want to go into detail, but this business literally relied, about 50% of this business relied on me doing everything, I would say, as because I was like a major part of it. And I kept asking, I was like, I want more money. Uh, I'm sick of working 60 hours a week. Fucking fix it, please. And they were just like, I was just being like stonewalled at every opportunity and being having like promises made that were never going to be fulfilled, you know, because they won't outright say no. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this non-solution that's not going to work. Anyway, I just quit. I Bosses quit without, love non-solutions. Yeah, I just quit without notice, basically. Um, I, I, I made sure there was enough time before the next event where they could get someone else to do it because I didn't want to fuck over a couple that were just getting married. Um, they're the only people I actually cared cared about in that situation. Is I didn't want to fuck over the the people who were getting married, but um, yeah, no, no, I quit, and it caused a huge, a huge, huge drama. Bad for the bad, very bad for the business. They'll recover, <laughs> but um, uh, I'm still connected to one of the email addresses from work that gets notified of bookings and cancellations, and let's just say. <laughs> Been a few cancellations since I've left. <laughs> uh, that amounts to a amount of money. I would say fifty grand at least. Like, yeah. So it's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I'm a huge fan. Um, yeah. Anyway, fuck them. Um, uh, I guess I have one more story about someone who worked from for Amazon. 
um, which Amazon, I'm absolutely shocked this person had a bad experience working for Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was bound um, to happen eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this this obviously doesn't represent the experiences of most Amazon workers, as we know they all have very good conditions. Um, of course. <laughs> so this person says, I worked in an Amazon warehouse as a seasonal employee back in 2020 when Amazon hired a bunch of new people for self-promotion. We had to fight for shifts on a website that was constantly breaking, and I frequently had to work 3 a.m. to 8 a.m. twice a week and couldn't get more than 10 hours a week of shitty work. They'd punish you if you spent the required amount of time thawing out after working in the freezer and would punish us by sending us back to the freezer. Jesus. That, um, that sounds like... That sounds illegal. Yeah, that sounds, sounds cruel and unusual. Yeah. That sounds like some... That actually sounds like a like a criminal thing, like yeah. breach of that, labor laws. That actually sounds like exactly what I would expect from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Sending you back to the... I guess you'd have to thaw out when you come out of the freezer because it's... Um, you need to leave because you're working in sub-zero temperatures. You have to come out, warm up, and then go back in every so often. I assume that's what yeah, they mean by... probably like defined by OSHA though, just to the point of that that probably being like actionable. Like there are probably like strict like time requirements and temperature requirements, which are spelled out in detail. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I mean is that yeah. this person probably has a very explicit... Uh, probably has a very explicit and strong case to take this to whoever. I don't know what governmental body you have, but you can oh, no. some so that's money. the one cool thing that we do have here, Jared, that I should mention is that because everything is motivated by profit and because lawyers can get a portion of your profit uh, when they sue a company on your behalf, a lot of them are motivated to work on contingencies. So if an employer does screw you over in such a way that it's actionable in writing like that, um, once in a while, you can actually get something. Now, you're going to get like, I don't know, 10% of what the payout from the company actually is when they settle out of court for a fraction of what the actual settlement is or the actual penalty is supposed to be under the government you know, regulation. But <laughs> that may still be even like a, eh, you might get like a, a, a down payment on a car or something. I don't know. <laughs> ah, this is just reminding me that we could have talked about the chaos at the NLRB right now. Uh, I don't remember like what, stuff like whatever they haven't had like all of their contracts and funding and stuff renewed for the year under biden this year and the last time that it was actually allowed to lapse was under trump but uh i listened to an interview with somebody from the nlrb and he was talking about how like they've been underfunded for years and now there's like all there's more uh you know labor activity than they've seen in a long time and he was just going into how they do not have the funding to pursue a lot of this which basically makes them you know toothless like they exist only to exist, uh, but they're trying to get more money and more people so that they can start taking actual like actions against companies who, uh, you know, do illegal shit to break strikes or just violate your rights, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. I may, this might be something that that we go into uh, with the the our episode on uh, Ralph Nader, but like. You know, we have all these regulations in America, many of them thanks to Ralph Nader, but um, they're only as good as they're enforced, you know. And for since Reagan, they've been cutting all of these regulatory agencies to the bone, cutting their funding, cutting their enforcement, everything. So a lot of these laws aren't enforced anymore yeah. unless someone dies or something. That's why everything in a store is free until security sees you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, all right, so Jared, did that person quit? Did they like 
single-handedly take down Amazon by like quitting. There was more to the. There was more to the story. They oh, shit, basically sorry. they oh, were no, having their. No, no, it's all good. They were having uh, points docked because of using the restroom outside of breaks. That's usual Amazon shit. Um, uh, the management apparently the management in Amazon is on rotation, so you don't have an individual face to associate your stress with. Um, they tried to convince everyone that the delivery drivers they contacted were at fault for every delay and were threatening our safety with COVID risk taking. So that's fucking pretty crazy. Oh, because the delivery drivers are third party companies, so they can't even hold them accountable for anything. So, uh, and then he says, I later found out that my sister who had suggested the job to me, um, never really saw the shit everyone else went through because one of the managers had a crush on her and got her to check people's temperatures at the front all day. (laughs) Damn. Damn, bro. Yeah. All right, moral of the story. Be hot. Just be hot, exactly. <laughs> I can attest. Thank you anyway. <laughs> Is that why I have uh, to fucking work so hard all the time? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had a fake job for four years, taking photos instead of a real job. Shit. <laughs> this uh, is why I work 60 hours a week for five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know oh, what? That's... I hope that um, more people reach out to us. I want to post again and get more I Quit stories because that was, yeah, I expected that to be like a throwaway bit at the end of this, but that was great. I liked that the best. So um, I'm going to reach out again and get some more I Quit stories. But yeah, unless you guys have anything else, we can wrap it up there. I, I don't good. have many more I Quit stories because I've just been fired so many fucking times. <laughs> <laughs> Based. Also good. All right, cool. Well, thank good you, shit. gentlemen. Let's do it again next week. All right. Yeah, definitely. See y'all. Later, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.